This podcast is part of the Gunny Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunny Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at gunnageek.com and get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. Welcome to F3G2, a weekly comic book review show. Sitting by your computer right now? Click over to f3g2.gunageek.com and check out the video version of the show where you can see all of the books we're talking about this week. Let's start the show. Hello, interwebs. Tis I, Sebastian Michoni, and this is F3G2, coming at you live-ish from the back of Famous Faces and Funnies, and get your phone on. Um, See, it's the get your phone on desk that I sit at, because... They have one. Rick doesn't have desk. Rick believes in stools and McDonald's. So, and cramped tables. So I, I, I steal Mark and Wanda's desk. Thank you, nice people. Um, all right, let's get to the reviews because I got to pick up my wife from work and go see the seven o'clock Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's Thursday. I'm seeing it at seven, which makes me seeing it a little bit early. But by the time you find out, I saw it. It'll be like Saturday, Sunday. So. I guess I really can't. I can't really bask in the gloating because I saw it early and no one knew. So uh, I'm assuming it was cool. So let's act. Like, oh my god, that was amazing! Can't believe that the post-credit scene set up uh, the the Jack of Hearts and Star Fox movie. That's gonna be awesome. No, no one buying that. All right. Okay. First up on the reviews. Justice League 32, which was really good, despite the fact that it doesn't really have the Justice League in it. Um, it's got a lot of Doom Patrol. Oh. It's got a lot of Doom Patrol. And it's got a lot of Doom Patrol. Um, the Justice League does kind of show up a Is little bit. Talk about, you know, you know, Lex Luthor knows one secret. What will he do to learn them all? Nothing in this issue. He will do fuck all. Except for show up and Big surprise, Lex Luthor and the Chief from the Doom Patrol know each other. Um, The Chief is actually, in I mean, he was always a dick, but in New 52, Chief is a bigger dick than Lex Luthor. I mean, Lex Luthor may be calculating an evil, but he's got his reasons. He's not usually a dick about it. He's, you know, he's kind of pompous and smug. You know, he's just like, yeah, smarter than you, richer than you. Just better than you. But he's not like, because you're a dick and a freak and a loser. So really, what Jeff Johns and company have done here is a great job of, if you're going to make Lex Luthor on the good guys team, you need, like, Lex Luthor's Lex Luthor. If Lex Luthor is Superman's Lex Luthor, who would Lex Luthor's Lex Luthor be? The Chief. Also, there's a great moment where the Chief's walking around and he's not wheelchair-bound as yet. But, as possible foreshadowing, you do have Lex Luthor yelling, one more word, and I'm going to punch a hole in your spine. (laughs) So maybe maybe the Chief says one more word. I don't know what to tell you. Also, there's a moment that made me think it'll get some, like, internet kind of backlash. I'm waiting to see. Um, There's a moment between, between Shazam... And, um, and, and, and Cyborg, in which uh, Shazam's whining and complaining because he's a kid 
in a grown-up's body. Um, so he's whining and whining and whining, and then they're talking about finding the new power ring, and he's like, I thought Batman said he was a dude. And the cyborg's like, was, looks like someone else has got the ring, blah, blah, blah. And um, Shazam's like, uh, I really have to? I don't normally fight girls. And I don't I normally, and with, oh, in, in like bold, he's like, I don't, I don't only fight girls. And Cyborg's response is, well, you're sounding like one. And I can't help but think that's the kind of comment that pisses off everybody. Um, especially since then, you know, he's like, hey, you know, you don't have to be mean about it. So I think now, in order to fix this, we need, they need to introduce New 52 Mary Marvel or, or Mary Shazam. Um, Shazette. <laughs> and, uh, Shazmam? <laughs> Stop. Shazmam. Stop. I'm stupid, but I like, but she needs to show up and kick Billy's ass and be like, really? You, you, and kick Billy and Cyborg's ass and be like, really? You, you think, you, you think it's, you know, oh, you know, the wussiness is girlishness? Smack. Who do us now? Smack. Or and they'd be like, eh, have Black Adam find Asus and have her trounce him. It's better if Mary Marvel does it, because they can put her in a little skirt, and she can be like, look, I'm dressed dainty. Boom! Ass kicking. Red Lanterns, annual number one. The Red Lanterns are getting annual. Atrocitus? Holy shnikes. Atrocitus? Atrocitus is a bastard. Like, a bit. Oh, but Dexter gets, like, laser-punched, so that's fun. Um, there is a death. I'm sad. Sad, but one of my the way, one of my favorite characters, one of lots of people's favorite characters, dies. Um, but he goes out, he goes out like a testicle, um, <laughs> and he's got this great moment where he, you know, he, he finally finds out what that means. Like right before he dies, comes up on the most likely definition of testicle located. Do you wish me to display on screen? There's some timing for you. Yep, show me. What the. Damn you, guys! No, you know, he's like, <laughs> Gardner. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he finds it amusing. But this also, you all know I love Charles Soule. I read everything, every every comic the man writes. He's, he's, he jumped from, who the hell's that guy, to on my... Um, on the Pantheon. Yeah, on my, like, Christos Gage, Jeff Johns Pantheon of, I will just read what? You know, uh, Cullen Bunn, what? You're putting them on a book with characters I totally hate? Sucks to be me. I guess I'm reading that now. Um, uh, so, he's great. But, in one panel, he's justified the entire new 52 for me. I posted this on Facebook. Hell, Charles Soule even liked it on Facebook. Because um, I tagged him in it. Because I'm a little attention whore. But, also because it just automatically pops up when you do that, and I, I don't always think to change it. But here's the panel. Let's see if I can line this up. All right. Guy shows up on Earth, because that's where Atrocitus went to mess with things. Batman's fighting Red Lantern, as you can imagine. Atrocitus' plan is, I'll show Gardner. I'm just going to turn his whole world. First, he messes with Earth, and then goes, are you pissed? Really? Do you want revenge? Boom, he just dumps a shitload of red rings, and they all just go find all the angry people on Earth. As you can imagine, there were many in Gotham. So Bats has got his hands full. When Guy shows up and Bats is like, what? How is it? I know somehow this is something to do with you. And Guy's like, look, I didn't do this. It might be my fault, but I didn't do this. So they talk about how, you know, he's like, look, they don't have time to fight. But then you get this panel, right? You behind the camera. See if you can help me line this up. In which 
you get that saying, um, wouldn't take long, Gardner. One punch, I'd say. And guys, like, not in this universe, pal, because that was the old 52. There is no one punch in this universe. Guy Gardner's like, oh, hells no. I ain't going out like that. Do you, do you see a Three Stooges haircut? No, you do not. You see more of a... Uh, what the hell's that show? Uh, motorcycles. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, thank you. You see more of a Sons of Anarchy look going on here. So, S bien. Very good. Sinestro. Also very good. Um, also, I like this cover because it reminds me of the very first Green Lantern I ever bought for myself off the newsstands was... The cover was uh, Hal holding Jon Stewart by, like, you know... By, like, well, not the collar, the old... Co- Pre-52 wasn't big on collars. But he's just kind of holding him by the costume and, you know... And threatening him with whatever his little spiel is on the cover. Inside, it turns out that there's an alien that kind of shapeshifts between. It's got kind of the powers of Wonder Woman. And they've used that alien a couple other times. It was pretty cool. But regardless, this kind of made me think of that cover and got me all nostalgic. And as you know, comic book continuity dorks like nostalgia. So that was pretty cool. Um, also, story wise, it is damn good as. Sinestro has got a... Now he's got a grip back on his team and a, let's say, working relationship for now with his daughter. Um, He's got to deal with people who've basically voided themselves of emotion so that they can get rid of all the, you know, fight specifically for the purpose of taking on ring bearers. Um, However... They can really, you can't get rid of all emotion. So really, what they do is they brace, brace themselves for whichever emotion they're going up against. So what they weren't ready for is since um, Sornik is with them, while they're braced for, okay, we're ready to fight fear. fear, all of a sudden they start getting hit in the face with will, and they're like, what? And in that in-between time, Sinestra's like, oh, I see. Boom, smack down. Um, but next issue, there will be the actual... Um, Hal Jordan conflict, although there is a kind of in-his-head one because they get inside your head and play on what should be your fears, only then they freak out because they realize, oh shit, Sinestro has actually mastered fear in its purest form. You can't psych him out, you know, with his inner fears because he's fucking Sinestro. Meh. Um, Batman Eternal. Really good. Not if you're Batwing or um, Jim Corrigan. Then you're having a bad day with Deacon Blackfire um, from, uh, oh shit, I forget. I keep blanking on, the, what the hell was that series? The Bernie Wrightson, Batman, something where he actually fought Deacon Blackfire the first time. It was uh, Batman something. Um, posted into that, call me out on my ignorance. Um, I can picture it, I can picture the covers. But the title isn't coming to me. Just a, you know, it's Bernie Wrightson miniseries, Deacon Blackfire, gorgeous artwork. Ah. But anyway, Deacon Blackfire's back. Um, though still kind of dead and hellish, uh, and it's all sorts of a mess. Um, also, as much as I really want him to meet up with New Fifty Two, spoiler, I gotta tell you, um, New Fifty Two, Tim Drake, and New Fifty Two, 
Uh, well, Harper. I guess only fifty. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess Harper was around pre fifty two yeah. in, in in his in his run in Detective. Um, they make a great team. They work they work well off each other. Um, so yeah, I like them together. Who knew? Hawkeye. Holy hell! A, a new Hawkeye. <laughs> There's a Hawkeye comic book. <laughs> Can't feel left arm. Just tight. Um, there's a Hawkeye comic book. That's my review. One? Um, I don't know what to say about this, and it wouldn't matter what I say, because Clint can't hear me, because he's deaf again. Part of the issue is done in sign language. I was even able to figure out what some of it said, mostly the part where they do the letters in, because, let's face it, look, if you ever wondered how to sign out Hawkeye, now you can. I don't know how useful that is, unless... A deaf person asks you, what was the main character in Last of the Mohicans? Um, <laughs> you, okay. <laughs> Who's your favorite guy on MASH? Okay. It's really about it. Uh, it's limited. And they also teach you how to say Clint. Um, but then they've got this kind. This is the stuff I was never as good at. Um, the gesture language, the gesture sign language. I'm not as good at interpreting as um, the letter language, but that's because I am a Long Island Italian. This just means we're speaking. <laughs> if you are deaf and know sign language, you can't talk to a Long Island Italian because we're speaking gibberish every time we open our mouth because our hands just go... Everyone. They're in sync with our jaws. So when we speak, they move kind of like the string on like Big Bird. He can, you know, he's got one hand up to make the mouth move. The other arm does this. So whenever he moves this arm, this arm, which is just fake on a string, just pulls back or away to his body. That's an Italian, um, a Long Island Italian speaking. All right. <laughs> I come from Brooklyn Italian to Long Island Italian. I look at sign like all of those pictures. I'm like, that's just my mother saying, Sebastian, you're an ass. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> What's the matter for you? Um, so I had a problem there. Um, Hulk vs. Iron Man, Original Sin, number 3.3. I think I missed the first two of these and for some reason bought this one. Um, I... I, I I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's Marvel. That's not no, saying much. I mean, I don't know. I do know what's happening. I just don't know if I read numbers one and two for this. I'm very confused. Um, much less why I would then buy this one if I didn't buy the others. But whatever. It's Wade and and Bagley on on, on Hulk and Iron Man. Um, I do kind of like the fact that they've worked Arno Stark into current continuity because really the Iron Man of 2020 six fucking years away. He's not the future anymore. But I kind of think it'd be cool if in 2020 they introduce him as, they put him in some damn armor uh, with the little buzzsaw-looking shoulder things and send him on his own. I'd read the hell out of that. Um, they seem to be big on replacing Avengers anyway. Fuck it. Give us one we know. I want True. Iron Man 2020. Now, you got Spider-Man 2099 in the current continuity. You got, you have Iron Man 2020. I want them on, on an, you know, just the time-fucked Avengers. That's what I want. 
<laughs> Maybe them and, you know, cy- little Cyclops who's in space with his dad can come join or something. You know, just... Special guest appearance yeah. in Ghost Rider 2099? Yeah, screw it. You know, just a displaced guardian or two. Fuck it. That's what I want. Yondu just randomly shows up? Yeah. Know. You know. I'm going to be so sad when this book ends. No. Uh, I'm going to have to read that they're crossing over with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which at first I thought I'd just read for the reviews and wouldn't bother with. But I believe it's this team writing it and drawing it. I know mm. I, I know Shannon's uh, drawing it, so I, I believe Burnham's writing it. So I guess I'm reading some turtles. Cowabunga dudes. Um, this is really good, and it's just building towards... That's going to be the, the best worst part, is this is going to end with such a bang that I'm going to be... It's just gonna really make the, the, the fina- yeah. It's gonna make the the finality you know resonate that much more, and I will be heartbroken. Futures end number two. This was a solid issue. Still, um, not as good as Batman Eternal. Um, this explains some stuff with uh, well, with a handful of things. There's a bunch going on. Still pisses me off the way they're doing plastique, but um, as my faithful and ever sexy cameraman pointed out to me the other day on uh actually you know it wasn't you that pointed out it was it was Dennis. Um uh I knew it was there are only a handful of people who I know know what I say on here. Um True. <laughs> Dennis Strasberg, Peter Palmiotti, Dave, apparently Mike Grace, and not really me, I don't listen when I speak. But and sometimes uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so, sometimes Jared knows part of it because he comes back while he's working and watches for a while when I'm talking about books he likes. But regardless, they've cast Plastique on Arrow. So oh, yes. Dennis had posted on my Facebook, well, maybe they'll do a better job with her in, you know, on Arrow than they do in this. And my response was, it hard, you know, it'd, it'd be hard not to, really. Um, but... Uh, Art was solid, story was good, and we get a little bit of um, future incognito Tim Drake being all back in the saddle, kind of. So maybe we'll get a a Robin rising in the future as well. Guardians of the Galaxy. This was good, but anticlimactic. They've spent the last several issues breaking up the band, and everybody has been in their own little basically fucked, you know, or whatever. Why is Venom there? Because Venom's an, uh, Venom's a, a, a guardian. They sent him, they wanted an Avenger in there, Cap sent him. Um, despite the fact that, you know, Captain Marvel's on there, and she's an Avenger, but I think Tony sent her, so <laughs> they've, they've got to send their own. But that was part of it. Every, they get everybody back, like, almost instantly. Um, it just seemed a little too easy Especially considering, and they're just like, oh, bam, bam, bam. Except Venom, who is kind of left behind and they feel bad about it, but they, they, they can't find him. He's kind of skulking around, but I don't even know if he's the one in the symbiote at the moment because the skull, the Skrulls tried to steal the symbiote, and the symbiote wanted nothing to do with the Skrulls and wanted to go back to the boss. But um, Flash is a little, I think it's a little symbiote in charge versus Flash in charge at the moment. So that could be problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, what was cool, but jarring, um, but not as jarring as it could have been, is the first half of this is done by um, Nick Bradshaw. Nick, the love child of um, Arthur Adams and Ed McGinnis Bradshaw. And then, 
right after like a double, this gorgeous double page spread of girls kicking ass, and then Drax versus Gladiator. Boom! Suddenly it's Michael Avon Omi, whom I love. And it, what I'm saying is, this page was actually a smoother transition than his style and Nick Bradshaw's style should ever have had. And I really didn't catch on until um, I didn't catch on immediately on this first page. Um, I, there was those faces there and down here, and yeah, this panel right here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's I was like, oh. And then I had to look, and I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't see his name. So I was happy with that. I know some people get kind of, when the art changes midway. But it's two of my favorite artists, so good on you. Ghost Rider number five, all-new Ghost Rider. Brilliant. First off, they address that he's technically not a Ghost Rider. No. Because um, Hyde fights him for the first time in this and says, Mr. Hyde's like, he's like, you! Wait, something's wrong. You smell different. And you drive a car now? And he goes, it's, you're not even the same person. You're untrained and unskilled. You're not a ghost rider. And he's like, ghost rider? And Eli, the spirit that is actually the helmet, goes, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. So technically, they may not even be a full-on spirit of vengeance. Um, we'll get more of their origin, hopefully, down the line. Um, I'm going to be heartbroken when Trad Moore leaves this book because he is 90% of this book. Um, I mean, it's a great story. And these are great characters, but his art is just so enormous um, that it's going to be hard pressed. Also, it was really well done because you get you get some Ghost Rider feels. Um, you get to see the more helpful side of the cruel asshole gang kids, teenagers who stole um, his handicapped brother's little wheelchair, but. Just as you're thinking that, that you know you're going to see them in a more sympathetic light, and and uh, um, what the heck is Rise's first name? Robbie's reaction is you know to not go all off on them at the first time when he comes back just to get the wheelchair back for his brother in Ghost Rider form, um, and the um, uh, Guerrera. Lily, the leader of this little gang, who is now so impressed with the, the new Ghost Rider that he comes up to him going, you gangster, you all this, you that. And he sees him looking at the um, wheelchair, and he, and he goes, oh, yeah, that wheelchair. He goes, yeah, we took it from this, you know, retarded kid. And it's the second time the characters use the word retarded in this because um, Robbie's little brother does have problems and goes for a school with kids with, with special needs. So... Um, you know, and he's like, yeah, we stole from this retard. And he was all like, my, my, my comics. And then you just see, like, the outside of the house. <laughs> and Fire. Yeah, yeah, it's just, he beats the shit out of them. And then he takes the thing back. So you thought that it was going to be one of those, oh, he's going to do the, you know, the, the bigger thing. But um, they push not just you know his button but they push them in the exact right order that no you're happier you know yeah sometimes the hero has got a nuclear stoop to their level because they had it coming and uh, he, he kicks their asses um uncanny x-men number 24 still doesn't get to the will um you do have a brief look at um dazzler in her new i'm angry um, unfortunately, yeah. while it makes sense, sort of, that she would, you know, that she's been 
She's been kind of violated in ways you can't even imagine. She's been like soul raped at this point. Um, so you can understand the transformation. However, she transforms herself. Dazzler was always a character that had a look that was that was lost in the 80s. Somehow in 2014, she's made it to like 1996. Um, and that just seems... I get where you were going, but this isn't how the look you're going for looks now. <laughs> so, hmm. But anywho. She looks like the- Plus, I just saw a great Dazzler fan-made video. This cosplayer, she sings this whole song about the, the, going to the sight of sound. And it was brilliant. So, really, meh. But anywho, they barely get to the will, and we find out there's going to be some complications that are never addressed, because it turns out their will go... Xavier's will goes a whole separate way than anybody thought. Eventually, there's a hologram of Xavier who says, look, um, there's this mutant I was trying to keep hidden because uh, he's, like, super dangerous, and I didn't want him to hurt anybody, but I didn't want anyone to blame what he can do on... And apparently, he's the mutant, I'm assuming, that we meet separately in this issue who is basically just, um, he's just a human Megathon bomb. He just leaves craters behind. But, um, and he can't really control it and has no idea what's happening. But, um, Charles had no idea how he would die. And the last guess he would have made when he made his will was, oh, I'll probably be killed by Cyclops. So, they never get to the will part of who he's left anything to. Um, but one of the complications is when Wolverine thought things were going to go badly for himself, at another point, he had signed the Jean Grey School back over to Professor Xavier. So Professor Xavier owns it, and everyone's best guess is he probably left it to Scott. But so far, they haven't they haven't said. Also, he does just drop a bombshell. It starts off with, you ready for a spoiler? In three, two, one, it starts off with, um, my name is Charles Xavier. At the time of this will, I am married. My wife's name is Raven Darkholm. <laughs> so, Professor X has a widow out there. Mystique. A very angry one. Nightcrawler's <laughs> like, What? I come back from the dead and find out I have a stepfather? And he's dead? Fasa <laughs> said! <laughs> Cyclops. Daddy issues. Camping trip. Space. Yeah, they, they, the ship gets wrecked, and they're left behind. Really, really well done. This book continues to be so much better than it should be. Greg Rocco, good on you. This is Young Cyclops? Yeah, this is Young Cyclops in space with... Um, Daddy. Yeah, with, with, with Corsair and uh, and and the, the Star Jammers. Uh, this is number three. So much better than it should be. Avengers number 33. Enough already. <laughs> with the time jumping. Uh, and the, we, you know what? Considering all the solicits for the upcoming months, Cap's losing his super soldier serum and being replaced. Iron Man is going superior. Thor is being replaced by a girl. Hulk is getting super evil smarts and going to war with everyone else. Again, seeing a future that rep that is based on the Avengers as we think of them now makes. Everything that's coming seemed less permanent and less weighty. So, enough. But at the same time, the timeline... Avengers World. <laughs> I loved and hated this because 
it's really all about, to me anyway, it's all about um, Sunspot and Tannenbaum. And they just had this great adventure in the future where they brought back um, the kids from that Avengers Next movie. Um, no. So it's, they, they come back with, with all of them to help save the day. And they're talking about, oh, in the future, they're telling Maria Hill, Jocasta told us all about how you had the secret Avengers and you've been erasing their minds so they wouldn't know what you made them do. And we just wanted to say, Foosh. she says, like, you know, reverie. And they go, where are my waffles? I don't know. She goes, come back. So she just made them forget everything that happened over the last two weeks. Bitch move, Maria Hill. Bitch move. Um, <clears throat> Harbinger, Armor Hunters, Ar- oh. yep, yep, yep. Armor Hunters, Harbinger, number one. Good. Um, surprised me because it was less Harbinger than it was Generation Zero, but I really like Generation Zero, and I think they could support their own book. So, um, I like those kids. I think at this point, I like those kids better than the actual Harbinger team. Who knew? Um, not because I don't like the Harbinger team, but because these kids are really cool. Um, so, as bueno. Um... Garth Ennis' Caliban, number five. So good. It explains the ship, the aliens, what's going on. There's like a body-swapping, mind-jumping alien virus that is what's taking... And these other aliens didn't know how to get rid of it. They knew if they killed themselves or its host, it would just jump to something else. So their best bet was they went to hyperspace and just ditched the ship there, and that was trapped. However, when these guys went to hyperspace, ships merged... Now they're screwed. Um, its plan was to get to take over their navi- the, the alien navigator and go back to the alien homeworld so it could have this whole planet to take over. That didn't work out, but now he's got humans and he's in the navigator. So the handful of humans that are left are like, fuck, we have to stop this guy, this thing. Otherwise, it's going back to Earth. So really, really, this would just make a great sci-fi horror movie in the vein of like Aliens and Event Horizon. Um, and better than Prometheus because Prometheus. Depending on how long it goes, series material is true, but it seems to be building towards a, a definite end. But you know, you could do sequels that as won't I said, depend. Um, Outcast number two. Hey, uh, you know, I'm gonna do it every damn time. Um, this is good. This is building. Probably like most Kirkman books, I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been reading it for the reviews. But I'm probably going to buy the trades. Um, I got into the Kirkman stuff late, so I have most of them in trades and not single issues. And I figure, why break that trend? Um, but it's really, really good. And um, also, it's got that uh, that TV series feel to it. Like, um, you know, it's Kirkman, and we know Kirkman has TV series. We, we've we've all seen, loved, and enjoyed The Walking. But this is a little, you know, okay, it's, it's Kirkman, so it's got that, you know, that Walking Dead vibe. But it's more like um, Walking Dead meets The Exorcist in a less confusing, but but almost kind of Twin Peaksy feel. You know, without dancing midgets and backward-speaking nonsense. Low, number one, was really good. Um, it's Remender, so it'll probably go over my head soon. Just say it, because it's called Low, so you'd think, but I must be lower. Um, but it's the future, everybody lives underwater because Earth is a mess. They've been sending probes out to try and find 
other planets or something better to get, you know, or is, to get off the, the whatever. But now one of the probes has crashed onto the surface. People are thinking about trying to find a way to get it. And people are set up into different civilizations. It does not go well for the characters we are introduced to here. Um, but eventually the theories there are going to go to the surface that hasn't seen humans in, in hundreds. So it's, you know, those um, National Geographic and Animal Planet shows where they're like, you know, predict, you know, they do all the CGI to predict Earth how evolution, yeah, you know, what Earth could, well, this is like the humans have been down under the ocean while all of this is happening um, in these, like, domed cities, and now somebody's going to have to go back up there. Um, kind of like the underwater version of uh, After Earth, was that the movie? Right, where he comes back to Earth, yes. they come back to Earth, and every shit, shit's just evolved for you without humans. Um, so it's it's kind of that, but with Brick Remender behind it instead of um, whoever wrote did it. Those, yeah, yeah, it just wasn't good. Um, Life with Archie, Life without Archie. Um, this is the Archie's Dead. It's a send off. It manages to be something different and yet exactly the same as every Archie comic. Um, it was good, but you Archie guys are sneaky motherfuckers. I see what you did here. Um, it's a year later. Kevin Keller is coming back to town to give a speech commemorating the anniversary of the Archie Andrews, um, Riverdale's favorite son, who gave his life to save Kevin Keller. However, Kevin Keller is like, look, um, I, I moved here later than everybody else. I, I didn't know Archie as well as you guys. I want stories from the people who knew him all his life. Translation. Look, I was introduced in, like, 2008. <laughs> all of these characters are from 1940-something. Um, fill me in. So, while he's getting these stories, this is a, you know how, like, most Archie comics aren't a story? Like, the original Archie comics. They weren't a story. They were a handful of, like six-page stories with a couple of two-page stories and a couple of one-page gags and all that mixed in. This is exactly that. <laughs> with little in-between pages bookending the stories of characters getting nostalgic and misty-eyed over Archie. And then it ends with um, these little kids who come into to Pops, which is now owned by by Jughead and uh, Jughead and Reggie are, uh, and Jughead owes them, owes these kids uh Ice cream sundaes, or um, ice milkshakes, or whatever. So he's given them one, and he's about to make. He's like, "What flavor should I make, make next?" And Reggie's like, uh, "You know what, Jughead, hold off on it. They seem to be making do with just one." And Jughead's like, "Yeah, they they remind me of someone for sure." And look, it's like, you know, completely unrelated. But there's a whole next generation of Archie and his gals. So life, uh, uh, will. Uh, life finds, finds a way. A way. <laughs> um, Owl Girls. I don't remember ordering, but I'm glad I did because I hopefully I get the rest because um, I had seen this on Kickstarter and it looked interesting and it's more interesting than I thought. Uh, there's three girls with owl faces, although they kind of look a little more chickeny to me, but mostly that's because they didn't give them big owl eyes. Um, so the one with the glasses looks the most owlish to me. Um, but it's supernatural owl noir taking place in um, an Italian-American New York family in, um, in Soho in, uh, in New York City. Um, it takes place maybe 
Still processing. It doesn't really that. give a year, but looking at the cars, I would say before 1950. Uh, okay, it says even in the 1940s. Okay, so yeah, see, it was before 1950. Good. Um, there's like some kind of possible like it's it's very supernatural. There's a a woman who keeps showing up, refers to them as her daughters, but isn't actually their mother. Um, who seems to be some kind of you know, demon, ghost, goddess kind of thing, and you know, everyone else is normal. These girls have owl heads, and yes, people do react like, what the fuck, to these girls with owl heads. Um, Maggie, Magdalena, and uh, I think Martha. Um, so, um, it's good. It's very strange. It's very strange concept-wise, but it's played so straight that none of the strangeness really seems strange. Um, that same kind of vibe, and this is high praise from me, I got from uh, my, my beloved um, Sixth Gun series. It's supernatural done naturally in a setting you don't normally expect it. In that case, it was a um, Western... In this case, it's 1940s noir gangster movie New York with supernatural um, aspects um, and not irritating Winchester Brothers supernatural, actual supernatural. Um, the Wake is over. I liked it. I know I didn't quite understand all of it. I'm okay with that. Cowl, this issue, number three, is probably my favorite issue so far. Um, I was thinking, you know what, maybe I'm going to tell them to, to pull it off my list. But this one kind of kept me on for a little bit. Um, again, it, it, it's it's noir. It's it's, um, it's uh, like 1960s Chicago, and this is like the... Um, cowl is the... Uh, not have a page like S.H.I.E.L.D. that breaks it down for what Cal stands No, here it is. Chicago Organized Workers League. It's it's the union for superheroes. Um, and of course, as most of these kind of things go, um, unions always have their issues. So, is is good. It's good. It's good. Oh, no, no, no. oh, I forgot to grab the other trade. Damn it. I left it. Um, but anyway, um, Batman Little Gotham Volume 2 ending, uh, collecting the last half of Little Gotham um, by Dustin Wynn. So sad to see it over. So glad I have the trade. This was so beautiful and so everything else. The other trade that I forgot, and it's shiny, so I wanted to grab it and show you, um, <coughs> was the first volume of Charles Soule's um, Letter 44 is out. So good. Really, really good sci-fi. Shiny. It's shiny. I wanted to show you how shiny it was. I, I don't have a copy. Um, so, that's it. Sorry I went on so long. Uh, I gotta go see a movie. Thanks for listening to F3G2. If you like the show, please write us a five-star review in iTunes. Want to tell Sebastian what you think of his reviews? 
Go to f3g2.gunageek.com and comment on the latest show there. Check out other geeky podcasts, part of the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. Have a good week.